Um, as a way of introduction and, and so you can get to know me a little bit, um, I have a, a little run of photos. I won't show them to you just yet, but um, I was asked to provide a profile pic when I was doing a series of conferences throughout Queensland. And I thought, oh, that shouldn't be too hard. I'll just grab my phone and surely there'll be a selfie or something I can provide. Um, but there actually wasn't because all of the selfies and pictures on my phone had someone or something else in them. And so, but as I was going through that task, I saved those photos. And so here they are. I'll show you this morning a little run of those photos. Okay, so this is a blue-faced, me and a blue-faced honey eater. Next one, me and a blue-tongued lizard. Uh, and so both of these, the cats had brought inside. Um, although that one, he just comes in and eats the cat's food and then goes out again. Um, the next one, me and the family at bowling was in my photo reel. That's Bryce, Hannah and Josh. Uh, me and a bush turkey chick that the cat had also brought inside and he was safely released. All None of these animals were harmed during the making of these photos. Uh, me and a butterfly, also thanks to the cat. Uh, me on a cotton harvester on a trip to St George to visit our church and services out there. Me and an echidna and Hannah and Josh up at Mount Tambourine where we love to holiday. Me and the fire up at Mount Tambourine. Me and a fish on the Broadwater. Uh, me on a kayak at Caloundra where we used to live. Me and some iguanas on a trip to Vanuatu to visit Church of the Christ in Vanuatu. Um, me and the family again at Mount Tambourine. Me and I thought this was, that's, um, that is Puss, the cat, and I thought it was an Antichinus, which is an Australian um, mammal, but I'll fill you in on the rest of that story later on. Uh, me and the Mustang, pretending to drive, but I have not actually driven it because it's left-hand drive. Me and a parking stick doing just some voluntary parking service at Kenmore. Me and a peace lily that someone surprised me with. Me and my pirate scar, which is from this week, um, just from about 20 too many times of getting sunburnt growing up as a kid. Uh, me and a possum, and the possum's actually biting my finger instead of the carrot. That was in Bundaberg. Uh, this is in now in later on in the series because I didn't realise at this time, but that's actually a rat and not a marsupial. That me in a Rubik's cube. See, not no photos that I could use. Me in a shotgun when I went shooting with Be oh, Ben and Craig that day. Just clay target shooting. Me and a huntsman, but I kept my eyes on him at this point. Uh, me in a sunflower. Uh, me and a turtle, this is in Bundaberg, we stopped to rescue him off the ring road and if you zoom in a little bit to the next one, he's smiling. And me and a wallaby and me in a Zoom meeting. Uh, so you can't actually make that happen in a Zoom meeting, that's just a glitch. So, um, But there was a whole meeting where I had no face in a Zoom meeting. That was during COVID. <laughs> So you are in a series of Jesus stories at the moment. And so I wonder, what does that, that, um, that series of photos tell you about me? Just call it out if you... I love critters. I love animals. I love nature. I love selfies. Yes, that's, that's right. Yes, that's good. My cats bring in a lot of animals. But did anyone notice that was also in alphabetical order? 
Ah, there you go. Um, so you were doing a series of Jesus stories, and I wonder what you have noticed about Jesus in these stories. What sort of things stood out to you? What sort of questions did you have about Jesus? Did you understand a little bit more about him? Did you question more about him through the stories? Did you fall in love with him a little bit more? Did you ponder more about him? I hope that you did, but I, I invite you to do that as you, as you come on Sundays and you hear people sharing about Jesus and stories from the Bible, as you read in your own quiet times during the week, as you listen to podcasts or have conversations, I encourage you to pick up what things about Jesus. What, what is God saying to you? What is God revealing of himself to you? In your Jesus stories, you would have seen that Jesus is the Son of God. He humbled himself. He had the power to do miracles, to feed 5,000 people, to calm a storm. He turned religious thinking on on its head. He's the creator of the universe, yet he pursues even the ones, the lost coin and the lost sheep, even the ones. And so when we're reading the Bible and we are listening to messages, when we're studying or learning or having those conversations with people, it's great to, to have a way of recording that. So grab a journal or use the notes on your phone or something else to write these down. Because for those of you who've done it or if you're just using your memory, don't you see the themes that God weaves through the conversations that you have with people or the themes that you hear in church or or at small group, home group? God is always speaking to you and he's always inviting you to know more of him. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And so he's always inviting us to taste and see. Come on, I've got more for you. There's more of me that you haven't experienced yet, that you don't know yet. I've got more love to give you. I've got more transformation to do in your heart. The Bible is God's living word and it's one of the main ways that he speaks to us. He always uses it to speak to us. Every time we read it, something can stand out to us, whether you've just been reading it for 60 days or 60 years. So let's look at a couple of stories this morning where Jesus um, and others actually gave that invitation to come and see. It's quite a literal one to start off with, but all of these three are in John. So this story um, from John chapter 1 is where John the Baptist is with the disciples, with his disciples, and, uh, and he's baptizing people in the Jordan by Bethany. And so John invited the people to repent of, the sin, of their sins. This is before Jesus was revealed, before the Holy Spirit was given, and so he's inviting people to come to recognize their place before God and the, that they have gone their own way, and he's inviting them to repent and be baptized. He's preaching to them and sharing them and teaching them about the coming Messiah. And so John has his own disciples and this story takes place um, by, by the, the Jordan there near Bethany. Um, it says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent the day there with him. 
And uh, when I was um, spending some time in the book of John, I was really pondering on this verse. It's a really interesting interaction. It's almost an insignificant interaction. Um, they, they see Jesus. They followed him. Uh, he said, what do you want? They say, where are you staying? And he's like, come and I'll show you where I'm staying. Come and I'll show you the room. But there's so much more in that. I wonder what Jesus was after when he said, what do you want? And why did they respond with, where, where are you staying? They thought that, like they heard John say, look, the Lamb of God. They knew that meant that Jesus was the Messiah. And the only question they asked is just, where were you staying? But in Jesus' grace, he said, come and you will see. And he meant so much more than come and you will see where I'm staying or come and you'll see the room. He meant come and see who I am. Come and see the journey that I have prepared for you. And they became his disciples. Um, The verses directly following this one is the next day that Philip goes and finds Nathanael and um, and says, Come and see the Messiah. Um, and, the, and Nathaniel was a skeptic, if you know the story, um, saying, "Surely no good thing can come out of Nazareth." But the, the answer is, "Come and see." Even in your doubts, even in your questioning, even if you don't know what's going on, come and see. Come and see who Jesus is. Come and see what He has for us, but what He has for you as well. And then, just a little bit later in John, another person says, "Come and see," and that's the woman at the well. The woman at the well has an encounter with Jesus. She is a seeker of of God. And Jesus reveals to her that he is the Messiah, that he is the one that her people have been waiting for. And she runs into town and says, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see the Messiah. All of these come and see statements are invitations to get to know Jesus to follow him, to go deeper with him. And it's the same invitation he offers us. It's the same invitation Jesus is reaching out to you today. Come and see. Come and get to know me more. He wants us to have our own Jesus story. For our own hearts and for when we talk to other people about him to have our own story to tell. And not just one from 10 years ago or 20 or 50 years ago, but from this month, from this week. I had a pretty good upbringing. I had a great family who loved me. Um, I was cared for. My mum took us on adventures whenever we went driving. We went for jaunts, she would call them. And if she saw a dirt road, she would drive down it. Uh, So maybe that's where my love of nature and adventure was sparked. Um, we went to church from as early as I could remember, Narang Church of Christ, while that was running. That's where, where I went to Sunday school. Uh, and mum was a passionate follower of Jesus. Uh, she, she is alive. She still is a passionate follower of Jesus um, and a worshipper of his. And she loved to serve him. In fact, um, any time um, if God led her to pull over and help someone on the side of the road, she would do that. And I'm pretty sure that was every single time she saw someone in trouble on the side of the road. We'd always pull over in our little red mini and help them with whatever they needed um, or call someone for them or whatever it was. Uh, she used to embarrass us at chapel by being the loudest singer in, uh, in chapel. Um, uh, but in hindsight, it, it's not embarrassing. We're proud of her. And actually, my friends didn't, act, didn't mind. 
she led me and my brother in a prayer to follow Jesus in the back of that little red mini uh, when we were in primary school. But later on in life, I secretly wished I had a better testimony. You know those people who have a good story to tell, um, like, you know, they were in really bad situations and God saved them. They're good stories to tell. Um, But I didn't just want it for the story. I thought that that actually conveyed the message of Jesus better than my story. I thought that you could only have an impactive Jesus story if you could say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Or if you had a, a dark, I was in this massive darkness and then Jesus brought me light. But it's not the grade of the darkness that makes your testimony. It's the story of how the light has changed you, how Jesus has changed you. That's what makes your testimony. It's the tremendous difference the light has made to your life, your very being. And you've looked at the stories of Jesus over in these series that you've been going through. And you've probably heard and read many more stories of Jesus. And so what do we see in the lives of people who have encountered Jesus that, uh, that positions them in the best place to get closer to Jesus? You might have picked some, some of these up in, uh, in what you have been going through. But I think there are three things. I think if people come surrendered to Jesus, then he meets them where they are. I think if they come seeking him, he always answers them and reaches out to them. And when they come with soft hearts, he so quickly is able to, um, to meet them where they are at. And so I just want to share with these three things before I share you, with you my story as well. Uh, so the first one is come surrendered. Uh, and so when we think of surrender, we think of, of people in uh, maybe a hostage situation. They, they put their arms up, I surrender, or they put their arms out, or maybe they put their arms forward in offering something, or maybe they come on their knees. And we see so many stories of Jesus where people are postured in those ways, with the boy offering his lunch in the feeding of the 5,000, which you studied, um, with the centurion falling to his knees, asking Jesus to heal his servant. And uh, the NIV says the centurion came asking for help. It's that position of surrender. And he recognized who Jesus was and submitted to him. It's the woman who was bleeding who came and knew that just to her knees and just a touch of Jesus' cloak would heal her. And the people who fell at Jesus' feet, the the Magi, Jairus, when he came to ask for the healing of his daughter, Mary Magdalene, so many others in that posture of surrender. Surrendering means laying down something of ours so that we can take up something better. It's laying down the right to my life to take up real life. And this is going to come up on the screen. It's laying down striving to take up rest. Okay, it's not coming up on the screen. Um, It's laying down my way to take up his. It's laying down trouble and turmoil to take up his peace. Not that the trouble and the turmoil goes away, but... We experience his peace in our hearts. We lay down offense and we take up forgiveness. We lay down shame and we take up joy. It's all about surrender, but in surrender we find peace and joy. We find victory. 
And the great thing is that we don't have to do that in our own strength. The Holy Spirit works in us to come surrendered to Jesus and also to come seeking. I wonder if you have had anything that you have wanted for a really long time. Um, or you waited and waited and you had to um, wait before you got to experience it. Maybe a holiday, maybe a career, maybe a car. Um, a picture of our Mustang is going to come up on there. Um, so Bryce has always wanted a 1966 Mustang. And so after years of deliberating and dreaming and uh, looking and researching and thinking and talking to people, we finally made our purchase. And now Bryce collects all of those 10-cent bottles so he can pay for its repairs monthly. Um, and, uh, and here's another view we've seen a time or two on the back of a tow truck. Um, but when you're really seeking something, you research it, you plan for it, you invite others into the conversations about it, um, you look forward to it, you think about it, you sacrifice things to get it, um, you make time for it, um, you, you notice when you see others like it, um, you enjoy it, and you invite others to join you in the experience of it as well. Why is that? It's because you have a vision of what it would be like to experience it, even before you have it. And you have hope that it could be a reality for you. You do that for things that you, um, you are seeking, and we can do that with Jesus as well. And we see the disciples were doing that, and John was doing that. Could this be the Messiah? It's something that we have hoped for. It's something that we talk about when we're walking down the street. It's something we talk to our kids about. Um, for them, that was the Messiah that was to come. And for us, it's the Messiah that is a reality. That Jesus has transformed our hearts and made a difference in our lives. We don't come to church just to engage in community and pour over the scriptures because we have to. We do it because we want more of that abundant life that Jesus promised, right? Um, we want the Holy Spirit to have more freedom to do his work in our lives. We want to be transformed. We want to know the peace and joy that Christ promises, don't we? We see it in other people. We hear the teaching and the stories and the testimony. We rejoice together when he transforms and heals. We catch glimpses of that in other people and we desire for that to be a reality in our life. So see, notice what experiences that other people have, what what relationship they have with Jesus. And if you see someone who has a relationship with Jesus that's different to yours or deeper than yours, have a coffee with them. Ask them to tell you their story, to tell you how God has been speaking to them this week, this year, and be open to that in your life. And so the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to come surrendered and to come seeking, and it works in our hearts to come with a soft heart towards Jesus. To lay down our pride. Because the condition of our hearts affects our intimacy. Affects our life. And when we have... There's many things that can affect the the pliability of our hearts. One of the things is that when we are wounded or hurt. When you have a wounded heart, even physically, or part of your heart is wounded, 
and if it doesn't quite get if it doesn't quite get healed that place in your heart can't function the way that that it was intended so our son Josh um, had Kawasaki disease when he was four months old and he had three aneurysms in his heart and um, and two of those the body just dealt with really quickly one of those stayed longer and they said that it would just stay with him for the rest of his life um, but that there would be some scar tissue there. And then on scans over the next few years, we saw that that part of his heart, it was fine, but it just wasn't working the way that it was meant to be. Now, there was a, ask me another time about a, that amazing story where he was actually healed of that aneurysm. It was meant to be there for the rest of his life if it didn't heal in that short time at the start. But it's gone now. The specialist spent half an hour just looking for it on an ultrasound. But that, that can happen in our hearts as well. If there are things that we don't allow God to deal with, that affects the functioning of our hearts. And it's not that God doesn't love us or that God doesn't speak to us or that God doesn't interact with us like other people. It can sometimes be that we can't experience him in that same way because we haven't allowed him to heal that in our hearts. Now for some of us that wound won't be totally healed until we get to heaven and that's okay. But the Holy Spirit will continue to work in our hearts to help us to come surrendered and to come seeking and to come with a softness of heart to Jesus. And so the Bible that we have a picture of, um, that's my Bible. And that journal is my journal. And it's full of amazing stories of Jesus. They're my Jesus stories in that journal. And I, really, and I know that, that this room would be full of Jesus stories. That some of you might have to think for a while or some of you can tell me straight off the bat. Stories of Jesus. And it's going to be different for everyone. You don't have to have the same Jesus stories. You, don't, you shouldn't compare your Jesus stories with other people. I'm going to share my Jesus story, and it's not prescriptive. It doesn't mean you have to have the one the same as mine. You won't all have a story like this, and you don't have to. But you all have an opportunity to encounter Jesus, to encounter Jesus yourself and have your own Jesus story. And, and just as an aside, a friend of mine shared a story of when she encountered Jesus as an adult. And uh, this was in another country and, and she was a new Christian and she was sharing the, her story with people, with a lady at her church, an older lady. And she said, oh, it's so exciting. And the lady said, don't worry, that will fade. But it's not meant to fade. It's not meant to fade. The story of Jesus transforming our lives and saving us from the life that we had apart from God and giving us the, the abundant life that he promises, that is for us and that is very exciting and we should be sharing that. The invitation to come and see, that invitation to know Jesus personally, to be known, to be accepted, to be loved, to be transformed and to be invited into your part in his bigger story. It's open to all of us and at all stages of our journey. He's not finished with any of you. There's always more and our relationship with Jesus is not meant to be a once-off meeting but a daily journey. Not a memory that fades but a life-giving daily walk. So I'll tell you my story or one of my stories. 
Um, I was invited a few years ago to a conference now uh, by a friend of mine. She said, would you like to go to this Christian conference at the Tops in Sydney? And I said, sure, book it in. I didn't even know what it was about, but she wouldn't send me astray. She's, you know, solid friend, wouldn't invite me to anything dodgy. So we booked it in and she sent me the flyer and it said, do you want to have an encounter with Jesus? I thought, sure, no worries. But what I didn't realize is that it was actually a thing. And, uh, and so I had been growing and maturing and deepening in my, in my Christian walk. But I thought that real transformation was for people who were far from Jesus. I knew that he was changing me and, um, and changing my attitude and changing how I related to people. But I thought that, the, that the, an experience with Jesus, an encounter with Jesus, was for someone who had a dramatic conversion experience. And at the time, if I'm honest, I was a little bit suspicious of experiences and even of the work of the Holy Spirit where it was different to how I had experienced him before. But Jesus must have had a smile on his face as, uh, as he saw me thinking through that and just saying sure about the Jesus experience, encounter with Jesus um, because he knew that, that there was a transformation that I needed that I didn't know about and that I didn't expect. And so the invitation to this conference came at a time and where I was really seeking to be closer to God. Now that didn't just come from me because as Philippians 2 says, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So it was like Jesus was inviting, come and see, although I didn't use that that phrase at the time. And so I was um, worshipping at the conference and, uh, and it was a really simple conference. They just had video worship. They didn't even have a band up the, up the front. And it was, looked a bit like this and people could worship up the back if they wanted to just worship a bit freer. Um, and I just wanted to be really open to everything that God had. And I was worshipping up the back just because I like to stand and have my hands in the air. And there were some people doing different things, but I'm like, not judging people. It's all good. All, we all came from different parts of the world even for this conference. And, uh, but I was really seeking to come closer. And I was praying that in worship. Um, and, and so the, each session I got something different out of it. One of the things I got out of the first session um, was that I equated vulnerability with weakness and shame. And one of the actions of that is I wouldn't be open as much to going forward because... That would be showing vulnerability. I didn't think through that in my head, but that was a challenge that I equated vulnerability with weakness and shame. And so I decided um, sitting down in that first session that I wasn't going to do that, that if there was something that God prompted me to do, that I would do it. And just as another aside, a few weeks later at Southport, um, we had an evangelist come and he was talking to us as a church and he was talking about the message of Jesus and how it transforms lives and the needs of people in our community. And at the end, during the last song, I just went forward. There wasn't even an altar call or anything. I just went anyway because I just wanted to be open to what God, um, what God was doing. And... Another, th- the second thing that, that, sh- that stood out to me in one of those sessions was three questions that they asked. The first one was, do you know that God loves you? My answer to that was, yeah, sure. I've grown up knowing that. No worries. I don't have any 
I don't have any, um, any questions about that. Yep, God loves you. The second question, do you know that God delights in you and gives you good gifts? And I'm like, yes, I do. I get the first, like, closest park at the shops every time I pray for it. But more than that, I experience him in nature and in worship. I do know that God loves me and, and delights in me and longs to give me good gifts. But the third question for me was more challenging. Do you know that you are worthy to be delighted in? And I couldn't answer it in that session. And I'm not referring to being good enough for God, being good enough to be delighted in, because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus paid the price for that. This was an unhealthy belief that God should not delight in me. So I'd been seeking God, I'd been wanting to come closer. My heart was softening around vulnerability and then came a time of surrender. And so we had a time of communion and then just a time of just quiet worship after that. And so we were spreading around the hall and having communion. And, and uh, by this time I had been seeking God. It was a four-day conference for the whole three days. And I was enjoying the worship and the sessions. But I was just on my knees and just praying, I want to come closer. What else can I offer you? And I felt very clearly um, Jesus said, well, just into my heart, bring me the little girl that you're ashamed of. And so just in that moment, I had a picture of Jesus and little Donna. And, uh, and he ran his fingers through her hair, which was cut like a boy. And a smile broke across both of their faces, and you could see her overbite, and you could see his teeth through his beard. He touched her sunburnt nose, and he, uh, he brushed his, his fingers against her freckly cheek. And she didn't flinch at his touch, but she enjoyed being with him and he with her. And in that moment was immediate transformation for me. Something happened in that moment. Something like we read in the other stories in the Bible where the scales come off or the storm was calm, the ailment was healed or the dead was raised to life. It was that impactive for me. And I shared with one of the team members afterwards and she prayed for me and the work of God, the presence of God was so strong that I couldn't stand and I just fell to my knees. And God continued in that moment of prayer what he was doing in my heart and then over the coming weeks and months and years has continued that as well. A freedom from shame, a real experience of new life. It even felt different to breathe after that. It was a beautiful picture and immediate healing from shame and from feeling unworthy to be delighted in. But that change is ongoing. That's the, one of the best things about it. That freedom, that life, that restored relationship with Jesus is something that he just keeps growing. I will never forget that and I will never be the same. And I will always be grateful and I will sing the songs that we're singing and I'll just bring up some of the ones that we were singing today. I can sing that I was lost when you came for me, held in chains by the enemy, but you broke them in victory. Now I'm free. I am free. We can sing those songs and mean them because they are true in our lives. 
And maybe they have been true for you, but you haven't been remembering that when you've been singing them. You've been enjoying the songs, but remember your Jesus stories or seek him to be to draw closer to him. I can sing want, want, what once was dead is now alive. I can sing you gave me the breath of life. You brought me up out of the grave. I'm bursting out with songs of praise. We sing that because Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, is real. He has saved us. He has rescued us. He has brought us from a place of darkness to a place of light. And we can sing by his blood and in his name, in his freedom, I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ who has resurrected me. And Jesus invites us all to have a resurrection story. Whether you had a, a testimony where you were far away from him and, um, and, and then came to, to know him in a really amazing way, or whether you grew up knowing him, he has a resurrection story for your soul. He, he offers you the abundant life and he, he invites you now. Come and see. Come and see what more I have for you. Come and know me deeper. And so I'll invite the team to come up as I, as I wrap up now. Because it's our Jesus stories that we can share with other people that make the difference for them. It's our Jesus stories that can encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's our Jesus stories we can share with our friends and our neighbours and we might tell them in different ways depending on, uh, on who they are so that they understand. We might use different language or different parts of the story. But there's always the invitation to come closer, to be seeking him. The invitation to surrender. What else can we offer? And the invitation to come with soft hearts. And my encounter with Jesus came through his invitation, through the Holy Spirit's work in my life to bring me to a place of surrender. It came because I was in a place of community like where you are now, where there are others who could share and who could pray, being vessels for the Holy Spirit. And these three things we see in the stories of the Bible coming surrendered, coming seeking and coming with soft hearts. And that's the invitation throughout history and the invitation for you today. And so I'd like to pray for you now as we sing. Um, And then um, I'll be available up the front also afterwards if you'd like to have some prayer. But let me pray for you. And and we'll leave some some questions there just for you to ponder on the screen as well until, until we sing. Oh, Jesus, for those of us who remember clearly, we thank you that you have saved us, that you have transformed us, that the way that we were living before was like darkness to light, even though we didn't know, even though we couldn't see. That the way we were living before is like the difference between being dead and coming alive. And we thank you. We thank you that you saw us, that you reached out for us, that you invited us to come and see. And even with our awkward questions and our fumble following, 
you see us and you restored us and you love us like we have never been loved before. And you have so much more for us. And so I pray for each person here, Father, that as they come and be part of this community, as they do life with people here, that you would grow in them a greater desire to be surrendered, to come seeking and to come with soft hearts. Father, you do the work in their hearts and in their lives that needs healing. You be free with your spirit here to work in the hearts of people, to develop the gifts so that your body is built up and help us to to know um, how to share that with others. Give us that burning desire to, to share with others, to talk about you, to talk about what you've been doing and help us to see the way that you are moving in in our lives and in the lives of people here in this church so that we have stories to tell to our family, to our friends, to the Uber driver, to the person at the grocery store, to whoever who asks, what do we do on the weekend? Or what's important to us in life? And so Jesus, we just come before you now and we surrender right now and we seek you right now. And we ask that you would soften our hearts. Meet us where we are at. Show us how much you love us. Because we love you. And we are so thankful for what you have done in our lives and in our hearts.